Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 66 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for listening. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. This episode, my guest is Shelley Timp, and she is going to tell us all about Maximus. But uh, first, in some doggy news, we go to Northern Cape in South Africa, where a suspected murder suspect was evading police and thought he could get away by swimming across a river. But what he didn't account for was canine Sam launching into the water and swimming after him. The suspect was recovered halfway across the river and promptly arrested. Uh, certainly not the standard takedown for a police canine. Well done, Sam. Over to the UK and in Plymouth, a dog by the name of Patch managed to escape from his home, wander down the road and sit at a local bus stop. When the bus pulled up, he promptly got on with some other people to which the passengers on the bus thought that he belonged to one of them. The other people got off the bus and the original passengers then realised that no one was with the dog. So as you do nowadays with social media, everyone put out there that the dog was riding the bus into town without accompaniment Um, the dog did manage to go to the end of the trip and the bus company looked after him until his guardians came to collect him and take him home after his big day out touring. And now, here's this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I am here today with Shelley Timp. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Robert. How are you? I am fantastic, and uh, it's great because Shelley is a local, so she's not far away from me, and not that I'm biased, but I know who we're going to talk about today, (laughs) and that is Maximus. As per normal, I'm going to ask you to go back in time and Talk us through the hows and the whys that you guys got together. Okay. All right. So I better start from the very beginning. Um, Max is is our first Doberman and um, I wasn't keen on getting a Doberman, but my husband was very keen to get a Doberman. And um, before him, we had a beautiful dog called Tilly, and she was a Kelpie Shepherd cross, very intelligent, very active, and um, 
she required a lot of training. So if anything, all the training we did with her, because we even did some special one-on-one training um, because she was very dominant and she was also quite food aggressive and things like that. Um, She thought she was in charge of us. So we had to then rejig our brains and get a specialist in to actually train us in making um, us the alphas and her the the um, follower in the family (laughs) and so lost her in May 2018 and we said okay we're going to get our next dog after we both turn 50 and so we did a bit of traveling Um, you know we went and we've been to Mudgee we did a news at Mudgee and we um, had a little holiday up there and sort of we came back through the Blue Mountains and sort of stayed there, you know, and that's what you can do. You've got this sudden freedom where you can do anything when you don't have a dog, which was good because, I don't know, hubby doesn't agree with me, but um, I just think a dog makes a house into a home. And so when we lost her, it was quite devastating for me because, She was the one who was always there at the door waiting for me when I got home. She was always with me. We could go for walks together. We did a lot of fly ball. We did um, later on when she got older and her joints were sort of not doing too good. We did agility, you know, and we'd done so much together. So for me to lose her felt like a massive hole in my life. So you know, it was actually good to sort of go away at the drop of a hat and we didn't have to worry about the care of the dog. So, um, yeah, so we did Mudgy, And then after that, we went to, um, oh, what did we do? We went to a cold chisel concert. That's right. Up at the Hunter Valley. Nice. I did that for my hubby's birthday. And we got back from that and hubby said, we should just get a dog. And we were going to wait a couple of years because of the fact that, you know, we, we were planning this really massive trip. Um, so that was all supposed to happen next year. And as you know, COVID had started around Christmas um, before then. Uh, that was, gosh, that was 2019. So after we did that cold chisel and everything and, and he said, you know, let's just get a dog now, it was kind of like, yeah, this COVID thing doesn't look too good, especially for the Americans. So um, around and everything and spoke to some friends from school because one of them actually has a Doberman. And um, this other friend of mine said, hey, go on the Australian Doberman site. So I went there and um, my friend sent me a little link to a lady on there who had just had a litter of puppies in the December and she sent me some photos of her puppies. One of the photos that she sent through, there was this little puppy with its tongue hanging out and I thought, oh, that one looks like a little mischievous one. But my hubby and I, organized with her we were going down to Mogo and we were going to do the process of where because it's his dog this was supposed to be his dog he wanted a Doberman (laughs) we had been researching Dobermans for two years we knew everything about them we're still learning more you know it's it's an ongoing process so we had planned to go down to Mogo and of course as you know in January last year what happened 
the bushfires hit. So um, we got down as far as Nowra and the accommodation that we were ringing up, that we rang to book, they rang us up when we hit Nowra and they said, um, how far away are you? And this is in the afternoon. Um we told them we were in Nara and we shouldn't be too much longer. We were staying at Maruya. And um, they said, don't bother coming because we've just been asked to evacuate to the beach. So um, they all had to evacuate. We couldn't go any further anyway. There was ash falling from the sky. Um, so we stayed in Nara. We got across the bridge and found some accommodation and that's where we stayed for the night. The next day we were thinking, oh gosh, you know, what are we going to find as we drive on down to Mogo? Um, because, you know, are they going to stop us? Because as we later saw, you know, they stop people going into these towns and everything. But um, as we're driving down, we saw all the fireys, we um, we saw all the burnt bush and it was, it was quite overwhelming in a way to see it. It's one thing to see it on the news. It's another thing to actually be there and see it and smell the smells and see the devastation of the towns as you're driving through. And, you know, you see all the fireys, they've all pulled up. They look so tired and, you know, they're going, heading into Maccas while you're getting a coffee and they look like they've been working all night and everything. So that was a huge um, thing for us to see on the way down. And it's something that I guess Hubby and I will never forget is the um, the fact that we got our dog during these bushfire season. And then um, once we got down to finally got to Mogo and um, driving through Mogo, as you know, they got hit really bad. And Maximus's breeder was just on the other side of town and all their area was just completely burnt out. And how their house didn't go up in flames, I'll never know. They're surrounded by bush. They've got a little acreage and everything, and they were completely surrounded by bush. And the breeder was telling us that um, Christmas Eve, they actually had to bundle all the family. They had to put uh, Maxis's dad, Mildred and George, into the car all the puppies, so there was about eight puppies, seven or eight puppies, and um, Uncle Smudge, who's the chocolate Labrador uncle who also helps out there. (laughs) So they had them all in the car and they all had to evacuate down to the beach and um, they were all fine and lucky for them, they got to return home to their house um, being completely fine, you know. So it was was an amazing story to hear for Max with – with his great escape, I guess, in that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then we headed in and we got to be at the house and we drove up and all these doggies are running out and all these cute little puppies are running out towards us and we've got a, a Mazda CX-5. So there were puppies under the car. There was puppies running around. Uncle Smudge has <laughs> got the ball and um, Mildred comes out and checks us out, you know, because we're going to be the new mum and dad of Max. And... Um, my hubby's there and he's got these puppies just running all around him and he's going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> anyway, these little puppies are all playing and running around. This one puppy ran up to him, ran between his legs and starts playing with my husband's shoe ladders and shoe and everything. And then eventually all the puppies 
started leaving. They all started disappearing because I guess it was nap time or something. So they're all going back into the house. But this one puppy stayed between the shoes and was playing with the laces and playing with my hubby. So that was our dog. <laughs> so that's Maximus. He, yeah, so he actually picked hubby and chose him. That's so often that, the case. That puppy was the one who stuck his tongue out in the photos. <laughs> oh, nice. That's right. That's right. So it was just wonderful. Yeah. And then as we drove home, um, we we were behind that. You know how you, there was that um, that fundraising program where you could buy a bale for the farmers? Yes. Yep. We saw all those trucks heading up um, through Sydney and heading onto the freeway with their buy a bale. So that was another great experience with Max um, in that, you know, we got to see all these bales and everything and we'd bought a couple of bales as well and just um, everyone's standing on the streets of um, Sydney just waving, people are tooting their horns at these trucks and, and it was just an amazing experience to see it all. But Max, Max just did a little cry as we were leaving his house, so jumping back again, sorry, and um, I held him all the way home. He did a little cry and I just, I bundled him up like a little baby and patted him and, and stroked his little head and he um, basically fell asleep on me and only woke up when we did some um, some little stopovers, you know, like with my brother and showed him Max and, um, you know, we did a few wee stops on the way and made sure he had drinks on the way and everything too. So, yeah, so it was, it's quite an experience. It wasn't just a matter of, you know, getting this puppy and then having him um, come to us. It was a great big event, I guess, if you like. Yeah. Um, with the bushfires and, and seeing the bales and great story that, you know, I, I tell quite a bit when people ask me about him. So, yeah. For such a introduction into life for a, for a litter of puppies and then all of a sudden to have that um, atmosphere of, of smoke and impending sort of like panic of people around them and mm. what an introduction. Yeah, that's right. And I don't know whether that then um, transfers as they're growing up because we've got a fire pit and he doesn't like to go near it at all. He's, he, it's not, I don't know whether he's got a fire, a fear of it and, you know, it's come from that early experience, but it's just um, interesting to watch him around the, like, because we've used it numerous times and he still won't go anywhere near it. He will stick to the walls if he's, if, he comes outside, mm -hmm. but most of the time he is away from it. So I don't, you know, it'd be nice if you could read their brains and, and find out what's going on in their little heads. So how was the uh, the first few weeks of Maximus inside the house? Uh, well, the first night, as you know, with an, with an eight-week-old puppy is um, – experience. Uh, I'd grown up with dogs all of my life. So, you know, we a few of those dogs were puppies that we had got. The other ones are all being rescue dogs. Uh, it, this is, it was an experience with him in that, you know, having him go in a crate, we were crate training him from day one and he spent 
um, a little while just crying so much and it's, you know, it, it's a devastating sound to hear. You just want to go and scoop him up, but you know you can't because if you do, you're going to put that training backwards and have to start all over again. So thankfully he sort of cried himself to sleep. And um, once we got that crate training down and it was, it just took one night, he was fine. He was very good. So um, his breeder had basic toilet training from the very beginning. So we just, you know, added to that. We had to train him how to go in through a doggy door. So <laughs> that was good. And, and we've had experience from, of doing that um, with previous dogs and even trained my my grandmother's dog to do that, even though he was an old fella. So um, that was fairly easy for us. We knew what we had to do. Um, it's all about it was about the persistence to that. I'll just scoop him up and rescue him and all that. We had to really um, take a step back and think, okay, through this experience, he is going to learn um, a lot of it. And, you know, as you know, having a Doberman yourself, um, they learn very quickly. So it doesn't take very much for them to have an experience and learn from that experience. And, you know, we used lots of positive rewarding and trained him up in just about everything. So we started that training from the very beginning and we're finding, you know, with the crate, he just loves it. He'll go in there and he, you know, we'd often just find him asleep in there and we would leave the door open for him to come and go during the day. And so quite a lot, he would go in there and just go to sleep or if, um, you know, my hubby had to go out the front or something. He would just crawl into that bed and go to sleep, wait for my hubby to come back inside and then come back out again. So, yeah, the first few weeks weren't too bad. We had, did have to puppy-proof the house. He got into <laughs> everything. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Things we didn't even remember we had were brought out. And um, so it was very interesting seeing the sorts of things he um, gravitated to. And if you didn't get to those things in time, you were in big trouble. So he would even do things like, we've got a room out the back there that I do some sewing in and he would go out there and find a spot and he would pee in that spot just because he wanted to, even though he'd just been to the toilet outside. So, you know, he would do things like that. So we ended up having to block that room off in case he kept doing that because he did it a few times when we didn't even see him go in there. We had to block that room off. So then we um, had to reach out to a friend who had a fence and uh, like a puppy fence. And so we ended up, because we had carpet in our lounge room, we had to sort of fence off at the kitchen and at the lounge room entryway because we were too scared he would come in here and do a wee on the carpet. <laughs> so um, that was a real experience. Uh, having a puppy in the house and taking him to puppy school and seeing graduate puppy school. We've even got a photo of him with a graduation hat on his head. And um, <laughs> of course he was the big tough guy in the class who would rumble with the other big boys in the puppies. And I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of people out there who are buying um, Dashens. And so there was three big boys these little dashing puppies and um, chihuahuas and things like that. And I thought, oh, no, you know, what if Max terrorises these poor baby dashings? But he didn't. He, from the very start, he would just lay down on the ground to get to their height and just lick them and be really 
um, soft with them. So that was really interesting to see how he reacted to dogs smaller than himself. If, so, yeah, basically life revolved around Maximus. He, you know, if we had to plan to go out somewhere, it would be, okay, what are we going to do with Max? Do we take him with us? So he came on a lot of little car trips to people's places and, um, you know, it was great fun just introducing him to the world, even um, taking him to the beach for the first time and him having the experience of going to the beach for the first time and seeing it through his eyes was really interesting. Um, we also took him to Bunnings, as most people do. They grab their puppies, they yeah. put them in the trolley, you know, and they play celebrity for the day and um, get, you know, mobbed by staff and customers and things like that and I even took Max to my work now I, I work at a school so he got to get smothered by um, teachers and students and everything so socialization wise he had a lot of socialization introductions when he was a pup so nice. and and I must admit um on the very first day we came home, so we we went down on the Thursday to Mogo and came back on the Friday and we came back probably about 10 minutes before the vets closed and we thought, you know what, we may as well just go straight up since we're still all in the car and we took him up to the vets and, of course, they were enthralled by the fact they had a baby Doberman they got to watch grow and so they actually gave him his very first healthcare check so, which they had a lot of fun with. So, he's had a lot of um, integration, as you can see, socialization and having him in the house and everything. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it and, you know, watched him grow. And I actually took photos of him every week to see the differences in his growth against a, a pot plant that I have sitting out in the backyard. So, yeah, it's been good. Ah, Sorry to drone on. <laughs> no, not at Droning all. on there. <laughs> so how was, I'll just take you back to say the first beach experience and, and how was that for oh, him yes. and, and the water? Well, um, at first he was a bit hesitant because as you know, waves makes a lot of noise when they crash on the ocean, uh, on the ocean floor there and the, the sand and everything. But he came up, he overcame it. We didn't sort of shelter him and go, oh, poor darling or anything like that. We were just very much into him getting used to the sound because we love the beach and I wanted to be able to do beach walks with him um, as he got older and um, getting playing at the beach. So for him to hear the crashing of the waves, at first was a bit, whoa, what's that? I've never heard that before. But then, you know, he got to see us standing at the edge of the water and having the water run over our feet and, and he, you know, sat next to us and learnt that sitting in the water is okay and um, while he's, you know, adjusting to it all, we're rewarding him and everything like that and just walking along the beach and and so he had a really good introduction and the other Thing that helped us. My friend has a Cavalier King Charles Cross Foxy. I think I think I've said it right. Um, and he his name is Charlie, and he was the one who showed Max how to be a dog at the beach. So he taught him to run along the beach and um, you know just have fun. So ever since then, Max has loved the beach. He just loves it, and he loves being off leash. Thinks it's fantastic. 
especially when you can play with a whole lot of other puppy dogs. So uh, he loves nice. it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he loves the beach. He, it's good because he goes down there now. He had a play date there yesterday afternoon and um, this one, this particular one, the dog likes running up around the sand dunes and um, he actually climbed up the sand dunes yesterday and um, it was quite funny to see him because Max was so excited about going on these sand dunes. He started doing zoomies all around the top of the sand dunes, up and down <laughs> them and everything. And seeing Dobermans do zoomies is funny because, you know, there's this gigantic dog that's bounding towards you and then suddenly at the last second they divert so they don't crash into you and zoom past you. And, yeah, so it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, having had other dogs and being with yep. a lot of other dogs, I know doggies, yep. they really get tagged with the Velcro dog sort of like label. Yeah. Do you think that would be appropriate as uh, Max and when he was younger? Um, growing up, look, they, they are Velcro dogs in that they love to be with you. So having we had Max on the lounge from the very beginning. We had to teach him what it's like to be on the lounge, how you had to behave and everything. And I had to um, introduce him to how to cuddle and, you know, how to calm. So I did a lot of um, holding on to him and stroking him just like I did when um, we were driving home. And um, so he he becomes a Velcro dog. If you're sitting on the lounge, he's got to have his butt up against you. Um, but when they're out with other dogs around, like in his, he goes to a dog walking group, they're not so much a Velcro dog unless they're scared and then they're with you 100%. But growing up, they're not as Velcro as you would think. It's more in their older, as they get older. So he's 21 months now. The switch has just flicked in his head that um, running away from mum and having her chase you up the beach to bring you back is not a good thing. Um, <laughs> you know, he he now, because we've done a lot of recall practice and extended leads and things like that, um, he's now a lot better. So he's a lot more Velcro with me, but he's always back checking on me and, you know, making sure that we're okay. Um, I would say in, you know, close to the age of two, they are more Velcro. Mm. But growing up from puppy, they're more focused on the other things with four legs, you know. And even now he's not as fascinated by people as he is by dogs. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he likes to likes to be around dogs a lot and loves dogs. But if people go, oh, come here, you cute thing, he will make a beeline straight for the dog instead of the person. So it's quite funny to watch because people just want to pat him, you know. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say they're more Velcro as puppies. No. So no. does he have any favourite doggy friends? Well, his first buddy he ever really met was Charlie. Um, he's now Charlie's getting a bit older. He doesn't tolerate Max very well. Poor old Charlie's not in a good way. 
Um, he has heart problems now. So he doesn't get to hang out with him as much. So he's more buddies with um, his friends like Archie, Dolly, who, you know, you've interviewed um, TJ. Um, there's also Max and um, a few other dogs that he loves on doggy days. He just loves hanging out with them. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say he's um, a favourite, but he, he just loves all dogs that want, want to be with him. He will love them to death and run around with them and treat them like he's known them forever. So, yeah, he's got lots of doggy friends. Dog, doggy dates has been really good for him. He's got to know a lot of doggies and goes on repeat walks with them. So, yeah, it's pretty good. He's got to walk tomorrow actually with um, – Allison and her dog Max, who's an Amstaff. So, yeah. Oh, nice. What about toys? Do you have a favourite toy that, that that survived? Yes, he does actually. Um, his first ever toy was a teapot cozy, given to me by Charlie's mum. Um, when we were heading down to Mogo, I realised we'd done all this prep. We got the crate, we got the bedding, we got everything he possibly needed except for maybe a, sup, a stuffed toy or anything. So, um, my friend gave me her teapot cosy she doesn't use anymore. It's got a dog on it, a dog head um, that hasn't lasted the distance, but it lasted a little while while he was really small. His favourite toys now that he plays with, he's got a jolly ball and if you're not familiar with jolly balls, they're what horses play with. Yes. <laughs> so it's a big red ball with a handle. So now the handle's been chewed off um, and the ball's sort of pushed in on one side. He's really happy with that because he can pick it up in his mouth and just run around the house with it. And he also likes us to chuck it. Um, he's got two jumbler balls that he loves using, which, you know, in our little conversation before this interview, you heard squeaking away. So he loves it because it squeaks and it's got a um, ball inside it. And those things seem to last forever. So anyone who's got a dog with a really strong jaw, I can recommend jumbler balls. And he's got one that's a football shape and he's got one that's a round ball shape and they've got handles on the sides so that if you want to throw it, you can, or if they just want to pick it up, they can. And when they go through that real strong jaw thing and the chewing, um, the squeaking happens, but their teeth don't seem to break through the ball. So it's been really good for him. But one, one of the things that I do remember um, when Max was small, hubby bought from Aldi a really giant teddy bear and those that giant teddy bear lasted a little while. Um, Max used to lay on it, uh, sleep in it, uh, sleep on it and sleep, you know, with his head over one arm and things like that. But as time went on, as you know, the teething happens and um, the teddy suddenly turned into snow. So, <laughs> yes, I, I know. Long I'll, either. <laughs> We've gone through a lot of toys, which you've probably experienced yourself. <laughs> yes, we called Marley a, a deconstruction engineer. So it was just a, yes, however it's made, I want to unmake it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, the other thing he seems to like at the moment too, there's those balls you can get that um, – that have got like a, um, a scissor-like motion all the way around them and you can put treats into the sides of them. He mm -hmm. likes to just get them in his mouth and squeeze them a lot. 
And um, he's also got a chew toy that my mum's dogs didn't like. She's got rescue dogs and um, she gave me this toy that's uh, quite good for cleaning their teeth actually. But he loves chewing it and he'll actually get it, chew it and lay next to me and he'll go to sleep with it. So it, it's quite soothing and calming for him. So I mentioned a couple of different walks. You, you'd think he has a, a favourite walk, favourite area? I think his favourite area, if we, if he could talk, would be the um, the beach. beach. He's number one, but his favourite on leash area. Um, I don't think he really has a favourite. He just knows when he's to a walk. He can smell. It's like when he smells it in the air, he starts talking to you and gets really excited about the fact that he's going there. So when we first joined Doggy Dates, New South Wales, the Central Coast guys, um, as we started to head to Chittaway, he suddenly started um, talking and getting excited as soon as he could smell the lake and we were down on Lake Edge. He just, you know, he's, he became very vocal. He does the same things as we head towards um, the beach. Mm-hmm. The second we get up to um, near North Shelley, he is, he's just going off, you know, and talking to you and making those funny howling sounds and things that Dobermans do. <laughs> um, it, they fight, find um, quite funny creatures. They're very vocal. We can very much relate to that. In the car, going near any beach is like, oh, we must be going to a beach and you're going to let me off and run, are you? It's going to be great. <laughs> yes. It's like oh, not not every beach, no. <laughs> yeah. They, they just become like excited little children. You know, and they're talking to you and they're going, you know, I'm just so excited, you know, can't wait to get down there. I'm going to do this, this, this and this. So, yeah, it's been very, very um, interesting. I didn't I didn't know that Dobermans were so vocal um, and I don't have a problem with it, don't get me wrong. And it's it's been lovely, you know, it's really, really lovely. And I like having a dog who interacts with you so much and, and really talks to you. You know, so it's been great. Ah, it's very nice. So when you've been out and about, have you had any sort of like negative experiences from people that sort of like, oh, hang on, big black dog, oh, Doberman, you know? (laughs) Yes. So um, my first experiences were when he wasn't fully grown, but he was about, um, he was a little bit bigger than what, you know, a puppy. Um. He would go bounding towards people on the beach with no leash on and you would see the terror on their faces. It was like, if you could imagine, if you've ever watched the movie Cujo and, you know, that blood-curdling feeling of this giant dog coming towards you and about to attack you, that's the look that they get on their faces. So, to try and deter that a little bit, I ended up ordering a bandana from an Aussie company and um, I put Maximus Friendly in big letters on it. So I got them <laughs> to do that for me and I have a couple of those and he never goes to the beach without it on because he is the biggest softy. He doesn't have a fighting bone in his body as yet and he's so friendly and so loving he's just big he's a little dog 
inside a big dog and he forgets he's little. Uh, he's big, you know, so um, he just wants to go and say hello to puppy dogs. So you still get the occasional person, you know, their tiny little chihuahua or their um, lo- lots of white fluffy dogs. There seems to be so many white fluffy dogs. Mm. Um, my my mother-in-law has two white fluffy dogs, um, you know, so you see those owners and they pick up their dogs and because they're petrified, which is understandable. You, you know, you would freak out if you saw this giant dog coming towards you and it's a Doberman. And in the movies, yes. how are Dobermans portrayed? Big, scary dogs who chase after you. They've got vicious teeth and, you know, you don't want that on your dog. So you pick your dog up and you freak out. So, yeah, of course I have. A lot. Yeah, a lot. That's right. Yeah. Little do they know. Little do they know. These these guys, these these guys are friendly giants, honestly. They really are. Uh, very nice. Um. How's his health been? Actually, he's got really, really good health. He's he's very good. We watch what he eats, and you know, he we don't overfeed him. We exercise him every day. He goes for a walk. Um, he did two big walks last night, and he's felt the repercussions of that. He's had to sleep most of today off, so we didn't do a walk today. Um, the only he had was to go and get his nails grinded down and that was enough for him. He came home and slept and um, we actually we actually did the DNA testing okay. because Dobermans can have things like wobblers disease, mm-hmm. um, they can have heart problems and, you know, all sorts of different things and I just, I like to know what's coming, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Basically, when we had our DNA testing done, um, he got 99% full health. He has on one of the strands of DNA, he actually has DCM2, we found out. So, what that means is we've just got to keep an eye on him. We've, you know, read up on the symptoms. The vets have got a copy of the DNA sequencing and the health check and all of that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just got to keep an eye on him in his older age because if if it switches on, even though it's on um, one of the links of one of the chains and not on both of them, um, he's got a like a – 50% chance or something of getting the DCM happening in his body, which is that, um, what is it, the dilated cardiomyopathy, which just basically means, yep, did I get it right? You did. <laughs> um, I've got a bit of, you know, working online brain, so <laughs> it's it's like I've got mush for brain. Um but yeah, we've just got to just keep an eye on him as he gets older because there is a chance he could have heart problems or it might give out. So, you know, we've we've pretty much schooled ourselves on what it is and, and what to look out for and everything. And we know that he needs to have a healthy diet and all that sort of stuff, which we've been doing the whole time. So, yeah, so, you know, I get him um, weighed every month or every two months just to keep an eye on his weight and make sure that he's good. Um, and he also has a health check and um, he has raw 
uh, bones, which I put in the freezer and keep in the freezer for him from the local butchers. And so, you know, he'll have a bone every so often, which cleans his teeth as well. And um, he's a pretty healthy boy, actually. Nice. Healthy, happy boy. So you mentioned the diet. I'm going to ask you to complete the sentence, I can't believe my dog ate. Horse poo, fresh horse poo. Horse yep, um, That's right. Yeah. We've had that, I think, yep. before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I tell you, it's it was a shock because, I mean, it's gross. But it's <laughs> yeah. fresh and it's gross and it smells. Um, the story behind that is Alison and her dog Max, the Amstaff, um, and myself and Maximus, we are planning a walk up at Avondale, college and um so we did this walk around and it's also a horse track and so this horse poo and we did not realize how scrumptious (laughs) horse poo is especially if it's fresh there must be something in horse poo that is really good for dogs because i tell you what these two hoed into it every time they found some they just got stuck in kiss on the face when they come back Oh, always, always. <laughs> but it's terrible. They just got stuck into it. So look out, anyone who's who's listening to this that's going to go on the um, Avondale track. There's delicious fresh horse poo on there. So just prepare yourselves. <laughs> so yeah, gone. horse poo. He also eats um, – sorry. That's right. <laughs> um, he also eats chook poo. He he loves rabbit poo. Um, He loves duck duck poo. One of the areas that we walk in, there's a lot of ducks. So it's like all you can eat buffet duck poo. Mm -hmm. And he also likes root poo. Nice. A a real poo connoisseur. (laughs) He is, but he doesn't eat dog poo. So thank goodness he does not eat his own dog poo. So that's that's a huge relief. <laughs> Marley is very partial, not eating to duck poo and things like that, but but finding it and rolling in it. Oh, <laughs> and it's uh, it's yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he has tried to roll in stuff like that, but yeah, <laughs> they're funny creatures, aren't they? They keep us entertained. Absolutely. So we've gone the the gross sort of like area. Um, I'm going to ask you, and you, depending on how you feel like answering it, going down the emotional route of, has there been a time when he's made you cry? Yes. So he, because he's a Doberman and he weighs almost 45 kilos, he has a lot of pull strength in him. So when we did puppy preschool, we got sort of the ins and outs of starting to walk them on leads. So we did a bit of training and as he got older, he started to realise he has strength and if he pulled you, you could, you know, you get pulled along with him. Him. And so, as a result of that, I took him to another training called Canine Basics, where again, I learned some more and we tried out new harnesses and I got him new harnesses and all that sort of thing. But get him out in the real world and it was like, who did training? What's training? You know, I get to pull my mum along and wherever I go, she goes. So, you know, things are all right. So, I tried Holtis. 
and nothing was working. And the clincher was I was walking him with my friend Sharon and we were right next to a very busy road, which is the entrance road. And he pulled me so hard, I fell over. Lucky I still had the lead. And I basically had to wave goodbye to Sharon and go back, get in my car. And I got home and I can't do this. I have this dog who pulls me around. Um, He is just so strong. He's still a puppy. Is this what he's going to be like when he's older? And I felt like I had failed as his owner, as his mum. So I was devastated. So, you know, I had tried everything. I have spent so much money on halties and harnesses, you name it, I've tried it. Check chains, tried that too, did not work. So, someone had mentioned on um, the Doberman site I followed about a different type of collar. At first, I was really... um, scared of this collar because it looks vicious. Um, But what it came down to was this lady who walks a huge, heavyweight German Shepherd. He's healthy. He's just big. And she is this twig of a woman. She's so thin. You would think one puff of smoke and she would disappear with the vapors, you know. Um, And I said to her, you have got such amazing Um, control of your dog and you can just walk your dog. What are you doing? That is, what have you done? You know, because I can't walk my dog. He pulls me over. He'll, you know, and I I had this situation and I told her and all that sort of thing. And she showed me this collar. It's It's called a pinch collar or a prong collar. And there's so many people who are probably listening to this going, you know, that's terrible. You are punishing your dog. This lady had full control of her dog. Her dog was so happy. It's walking and it's listening to her. And I thought, I haven't tried this. If this doesn't work, then I'm really going to have to either look at rehoming him or sending him back to Mogo, you know, and say to the breeder, look, you know, I just can't do this anymore. He probably just needs acreage. Um, you know, it's just too dangerous for him, especially. I, I would never want to lose the leash and have him go into traffic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that was where I was at. It was terrifying. Um, and I just thought, you know, it's just too scary. So I ended up ordering the collar on the internet. And I found out in Victoria, they're actually banned. Thank heavens we live in New South Wales. And um, as soon as I put this on him, I also um, followed the step-by-step. There's a little uh, instructions and everything. There's a guy called an American um, Canine Academy and he was using them and he explained how to use them. So, I, I learned how to use them. It wasn't like I was going into it blind. Mm-hmm. I learned how to use them because I did not want to hurt my dog. I love him too much. So, I learned how to use it and from day dot, I had a different dog. He's got, you know, um, he's got puppyhood going through. He rebels, all of that sort of thing. So, that's the sort of thing you're battling as a brand new, you know, or puppy owner. You've got to 
train this dog and get their brain thinking and get them switched on when you want to have that control over them. So, you know, it did take a couple of him, you know, he he did his usual pull and, of course, you hear the ouch. It came out, didn't it, Max? He's right here listening to me. And um, it only took about one or two walks and I had a completely different dog. I could easily just pop the chain on him, pop the lead on him, off we go for a walk and all the fear went away. It just, it was like he was switched on. He's like, okay, yep, now what do you want me to do? I have to sit now, you know, we're going to wait and then when we do the crossing of the busy road, we cross it together and I'm listening, you know, and if there's there was times where there were dogs across the road of this busy road and, um, you know, and he's there and he's like preoccupied on them, a little tiny tug on the chain. I'm not saying like I'm reefing this chain and, you know, pinching him to death and making these things um, get stuck into him. They're not spikes. They're actually just thin metal fingers and they only need the slightest pull and the dog will automatically look at you and go, hey, what do you want me to do? So that is the one time he made me cry. It was, you know, it was pretty devastating to reach that point where you think I've failed this poor animal. So, yeah, that was hard. It's <laughs> always mm. say there's so many different tools and methods and sometimes it's just a question of finding the one that works for the individual dog that needs it. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it's got a lot to do with the person and their shoes. And I, I have a really strong um, feeling for people who, who do use these collars and they, like, I felt so guilty. I turned up to doggy dates. People, even though people weren't looking at you, you just feel like all eyes are on you. You are this... Um, terrible person, you're torturing your dog. I've heard, I've, you know, you just, I've seen all the comments on people um, on the Doberman page who've, who have photos of their dogs with these collars on and they just copped a berating. And so for a while there, I felt really guilty until you reach that point where you go, you know what, unless you've walked in my shoes, paid the amount of money and reach that edge where you go, I don't think I can own this dog anymore and feel that dread that you failed them. You can't make a judgment. Absolutely. So, you know, I guess out of this, I would have to say to people, have the conversation with the person first before you make that judgment because they've been through a lot. They've been through so much. They they have a story to tell about why they've reached for this collar that looks so vicious, but it's not actually vicious. It's it's just a tool. That's all. And if we were torturing our dogs, we wouldn't use it. No, absolutely. We absolutely not. would not use it. So, Sorry. <clears throat> no, no. Drone on there. I apologise. Not not at all. It's um, the majority of people that make statements about. Any sort of tool, they usually come from people that haven't either used a tool or understand its its actual purpose. And yeah. and and the other thing is that a tool is a tool, and anything can be misused. It's just unfortunate that, especially with social media, certain things get really pushed and highlighted. And anyway, yeah. we won't go down yeah. that road. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a whole new road. <laughs> so. What would you say, has Max got any 
peculiar or individual habits? Oh, my gosh. Where do I start? There is so many. Um, Well, basically, I guess one of the things that really stands out for me is he is a dog that has a routine and he sticks to that routine. So, in the morning, he's usually up around the um, seven o'clock mark or he'll, you know, wake up at 6.30. He has to have his wee in the morning. So, he goes out, does the wee, comes back in, has to have the breakfast. Then he'll go off and he'll do his poo and, you know, and then has his day. And then, of course, at four o'clock, he is telling me it's almost dinner time. So, by 4.30, he's super hungry and he needs to have that. After he's had his dinner, we have a thing called foot. Now, it's not fruit. Um, We have a futon that is in our bay window and the sun streams in through that and he loves that spot. It's his favourite spot. So, we tried using the word futon and it wasn't working for him. He just, it was like, what? You know, so then we brought it down to the word foot. So um, after he's had his dinner and it's getting close to us having our dinner because we sort of sit here in the lounge room and have it, um, we, you know, he sort of comes up to me and he'll nudge me and then he'll head out in the kitchen so I know I have to follow him. And he gets a greenie. Do you know what a greenie is? Yep. You know, those yeah, little yeah. green chews. Yeah, he has those. So um, I get my little greenie out. And we do a bit of a practice with words like ready, set, and then we go fooch and sometimes I'll trick him and go, go. And of course he gets all, um, you know, loud with his voice and likes to tell me off for, for <laughs> saying that and not saying the word foot. And then as soon as I say foot, he makes a beeline straight for the futon. And it's there that I, I've got a little lead, a two-ended lead. So I just clip it onto his collar and he gets his treat after he looks at me and he lays down and he just goes off to sleep. Nice. He gets off once we've had dinner. So he has he's a stickler for routine. At 8.30, he has to go to bed. So he does another of the staring as if to go, um, I need to go out and then I need to go to bed because I'm tired. So he's, he's such a funny boy with that. Um, other little weird things he does. He likes to lick a lot. So he'll lick your legs. He'll lick your arms. He also likes to lick the bald spot on my hubby's head <laughs> and then grab a toy and play with him. So that's interesting. Um, he he has this really annoying habit where if you tell him to drop and he's on the lounge next to you, he has to sit and he has to think about it first before he actually does it. I don't, does Marley do that? Because he, he's, he's got to think about it. Like, do I really want to lay down or do I want to go outside? Or, you know, do I really want to drop right now? Hmm. So he does that quite a lot. Um, he farts a lot. He's only young and he's farting a lot, as in noise farts. They're not just quiet little things. <laughs> They're quite loud and it's very funny. It's so funny and it just happens, especially when he's sleeping. It's just, you know, this little kind of sound. It's quite funny. I don't know if Marley does that too, but he's very vocal with his butt as well. Um, the other thing he does, he is obsessed with my socks. 
He's not interested in hubbies. He's obsessed with mine. So whatever chance he gets, he'll go into my bedroom. He gets his nose into the crack, opens up my little um, sock drawer and he will pull out these little socklets that women wear, you know, inside their shoes when they're walking around in summertime. He grabs those and he'll take them outside and chew them up. So he thinks they're like chewing gum. And the other thing, and I don't know, it's apparently it's a common thing with Dobermans. He likes fluffy fabric and he will suck on it and fall asleep. Yeah, Marley has a like a security blanket type thing. Yeah, yeah. It's quite funny and they just – it calms them so much that they just fall asleep. So, he likes to, you know, suck on his blankie or, or um, you know, as I said before, he has that little chew toy thing and he will have that next to me and he will chew it and just go off to sleep. It's very – it's such a funny thing. I've never had dogs do that before, but I had um, Max. So, yeah, it's quite good, I, you know. Very interesting. Yes, very, very much. So I'm going to ask you another emotional question. Mm. If I was to put you on the spot and say, when have you felt the happiest with something that Maximus has done? I think the happiest I would have, I, I am or was with him and still am, is – when he, and it's sort of only in the last couple, probably in the last month, he he now will cuddle up to me. So, he, when he cuddles up, he'll actually turn around so that he's facing the lounge and me and he will curl up in a tiny little ball and up against me and fall asleep and he just goes fast asleep. Quite often he'll have his blankie there, so I'll put his blankie over him, especially if it's cold, and he will just go to sleep. And that just, I guess, the happy juices going, makes me very happy and content. Um, that would probably be it, I think. Yeah. Wow, that's nice. A beautiful moment. Yeah. Yeah. And he, as I said before, he's supposed to be my husband's dog, <laughs> but he's he's not. He's not. He's he's mine. <laughs> he's my boy. <laughs> Is there anything else that's coming to mind that you'd like to share about Maximus? Let's have a look. <laughs> Sorry, that's um, Max bumping some stuff there. Um, let's see. He does. Like, I feel like I'm giving. You know. I'm handing him over and I'm just letting you know what you can look out for here. Um, <laughs> he likes to get his butt and sit on my shoulder with, you know, butt first so that he likes doing that. Um, he does a lot of running and talking in his sleep. So I don't know if Marley does that as well, but it's very, you can feel the lounge shaking and moving around, <laughs> you know, He's not a little dog, so the whole thing's moving the whole time. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I think life with Max has been great, especially in COVID. Um, one of the things that he does, I, I was right in the middle of a Zoom meeting with my workmates and I was pre- talking about something and Max comes up behind my laptop and he likes to stick his head over the top and rest his head on it. Anyway, I was talking and I'm going, oh, yeah, that little chin there that you're seeing, that's that's Max. He's just there just letting you know. Next thing you know, snap. 
he closes the laptop with head, right, mid-sentence, <laughs> and um, lays his head on the laptop looking like he's just done something very good. Yep, meeting <laughs> so, finished. yeah. <laughs> Meeting is finished. It's time for a walk. Off we go. So, yeah, yeah he, he's a bit of a funny fella. That way he likes to be centre of attention. Oh, nice. Yeah. It has been an absolute pleasure hearing more about Maximus and having a chat with you. Oh, thank you for your time and thank you for um, letting me talk about my most favourite subject in the world. No, not a problem at all. Now, I know... Um, Maximus, he's, he hasn't actually got any of his own social media at this stage. Yep. You have mentioned uh, our local dog walking group. Would you like to give them a plug? Absolutely. Best walking group in the in the world, I tell you. Um, Doggy Dates, New South Wales, one of the reasons why I joined them was um, – Walking, I'd drive to work and I'd see all these people walking their dogs and, you know, they're happy and everything. And I thought it'd be nice if I had someone to walk with. And so went in the search on Facebook and went, oh, Doggy Dates, New South Wales. You know, they're not a place where they hook dogs up to mate. They're actually <laughs> a, a dog walking group. Okay, this could be good. And then I found Central Coast Doggy Dates and then I met all the wonderful people and, of course, the wonderful TJ who does all this work behind the scenes, um, you know, and does it just because she loves it, not because she gets paid. She doesn't get any pay for it. It's amazing the amount of work she does. Um, but, yeah, we joined them and Max absolutely loves Doggy Dates. I love Doggy Dates. We have gotten to know so many people, so many dogs. We've seen people with dogs that are reactive suddenly become unreactive. They're just like, hey, there's my pack. I'm going to join them. Let's walk together. Great to see you guys. You know, so yeah, if you ever get the chance to join Doggy Dates New South Wales and you live on the Central Coast, by all means, do Central Coast Doggy Dates. Um, but there are ones around Sydney as well. So by all means, Doggy Dates New South Wales will hook you up with a group that's closest to you. So it's definitely worthwhile. Uh, it is a great organisation. Look forward to, especially when COVID's ending now, to get back out for a couple of walks. Yes, I can't wait. It'll be so good. All the dogs are missing each other, I hear, so it'll be good. Thank you again for your time. It's been a wonderful conversation. I look forward to catching up soon. By all means, thank you, Robert. Um, give Marley a big hug from Maximus as well. Most certainly will. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. And just like our new listeners in Warrensburg in the US and in Yono in Japan, hit that subscribe button and don't forget to tell a friend just how awesome dogs are and where you can listen to awesome dogs stories. Thank you very much again. Until next week. Stay safe and remember, your dog is family.